0: You may want to follow along. Uh, open your Bibles, if you would. I'd invite you to, <coughs> uh, to the book of Ephesians. If you're in the pew Bible, it's on one thousand one hundred fifty-eight. One um, one five eight. I want to reference. Actually, we're going to start on the page before, so we're going to start on Ephesians chapter three. We are going to read verse fourteen, but I want to and following, but I want to point out something. So I'll give you a moment to open your Bibles if you want 11,057 58 and we'll listen for the word of God alright now notice and I'll come back to this in my talk notice that it starts in uh, Ephesians three fourteen. it starts with the words for this reason okay? now if you turn back to the beginning of Ephesians 3 verse 1 Paul starts by saying, for this reason. I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ, Jesus, for the sake of the Gentiles. And then there's a dash. Now, Paul, first of all, didn't actually sit down and write. Paul sat down and dictated. And sometimes when Paul was being a little less formal, as he was uh, with the Ephesians, um, he, he, he was a little less formal. Like Romans, he was highly formal. And it was very structured. So sometimes in books like Ephesians, he loses his train of thought and he gets distracted. And sometimes those distractions are really very interesting. So I'm not gonna talk about the distractions. That's homework assignment. You go home and read three verses two and following because Paul talks about himself a little bit there. I'll reference that. And then he gets back on track with verse 14. And I'm gonna start reading here and invite you to listen for the word of God. For this reason, okay, so he's back on track, I kneel before the Father for whom this whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith And I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God, that you may be filled with the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or can imagine, according to his power that is at work within you, us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we give thee thanks and we ask that you guide us in our understanding. So that we might grow in our strength, in our patience, in our love, as we move through this life, in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, pointed out, Paul in this passage is dictating, uh, he starts on a train of thought, in which uh, the train of thought is he wants to disclose the mysteries. And that's a word he likes a lot, for all kinds of reasons, but I won't get distracted onto that now. Um... He likes that word mystery. And so he wants to reveal the mystery of the faith and the church. And basically the mystery is that uh, God in his plan has included us, the Gentiles, into the body, into uh, his kingdom. And along the way, when he wants to include that, talk about that, he does get distracted and kind of goes off on this tangent about his own um, encounter with Christ. Now, if I'm going to think about that for a minute, I have noticed uh, that when I'm listening to a speaker, uh, sometimes those speakers, when they get distracted and go off on a tangent, sometimes those tangents are more interesting than the content of their talk itself. Have you noticed like the question and answer period? Afterwards, they kind of leave their notes, and they start talking a little more personally, and, and it gets a little more interesting. And you ever, am, am I? By the way, (laughs) I ran a race last week. Um, Are you interested? Let me talk about it. I ran a half marathon. I'm boasting. Can I boast? So not last, not yesterday, week before. I I ran this half marathon, and uh, I just want to keep this in context. Um, However, I ran this marathon in a time that I was pretty proud of. But are you even watching the Olympics? Does anybody like have the addiction that going on? Like is yeah, okay. So at the end of the last thing, the biggest thing is the marathon, right? And that's what the, it ends with. The guy from America, Ryan Hall, who's running, uh, the Mar- he's, one, he's our guy. And uh, he, when he ran a half marathon, he ran it in exactly half the time that I finished it. In, in other words, I'm on mile 6.5 and he's finished. All right. I just want to keep things in context. So I'm anyway. I'm distracted. Let's get back to the past. So what Paul's doing here is—it's uh, easy to get distracted on the Olympics, isn't it? Uh, so what Paul's doing is he wants to reveal the whole history of everything, the mystery of why it is that God has included everybody into all—all all who believe in Christ, not just the Jewish nation, but everybody. So let me let's start there. Let's talk about the kind of world view from a Bible perspective. So this is the whole history of everything in like three minutes, okay? So the world starts out, and these are all B words so I can remember, the world starts out in bliss. The Garden of Eden is a blissful place. It is a perfect place. And if you want an image of heaven, the best image of heaven that you can find is the Garden of Eden. So what's happening in the Garden of Eden? One, there's no shame, there's no hiding, Everything is exposed. Nobody's guilty. It's perfect. Secondly, they are walking with God. You don't have to seek God. You don't have to walk by faith. There's God. And third, very important, work is absolutely enjoyable. Work is enjoyable. So if you want to have an image of heaven, I'm going to suggest Genesis 1 and 2 is the best image. So the image that we get a lot of times is like floating on some cloud, doing nothing, being bored to death for all eternity. That's a terrible image. Look to the Garden of Eden. Walking with God, no shame, no guilt. Work is absolutely delightful, an image of heaven. So the first thing is bliss. The second is that there are boundaries. There are boundaries, even in heaven. You're not to eat the tree that, of the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, that's off boundaries. For us, the Ten Commandments, why you should recite the Ten Commandments at least once a day, those are those boundaries. By the way, in modernity, what do we talk about boundaries? Every boundary is something that needs to be crossed, right? We need to color outside the lines. We need to think outside the box. And we put that everywhere. So if there's a boundary out there, moral or otherwise, we want to cross it. Bad idea. There are boundaries that God has placed on us that we need to keep. But what happens? We cross the boundaries. So there's bliss. There are boundaries. But because we cross the boundaries, we get bumped we get, that's the third B word, we get pushed out of the garden. And so we are on a journey. We are on a journey, we are traveling, we are God's chosen people traveling back home. So if you have that vague feeling every once in a while that where you are is not home, have you ever had that feeling? That feeling is accurate. Where you are is not home. We are on a journey. So that's the whole history of everything up to now. So, Paul wants to say that out, but what God has done is that as we are outside the garden, outside of heaven, God has chosen a peculiar people. God has chosen a people. Now, the people that God chose was the nation of Israel. He chose them simply because he chose them, not because they're smarter, prettier, brighter, anything else. It's simply that God chose them. How do they know they're chosen? Because they've been born into the people and because they keep the commandments, which includes circumcision. That's how you know. Now, can I suggest the old covenant is not that different from the new covenant, the New Testament? How do we know we are the people of God? Because we have been reborn. We have been born again from above. And it's not that we earn our way into the kingdom by keeping the commandments, but rather once we are reborn, we have a desire to keep the commandments we have a burning desire to keep them stay in the boundaries and be a people that are pleasing to god so we are on a journey did i mention i ran a half marathon the other day i get so distracted you've been watching the olympics you know the good stuff hasn't i know you swimmers that's all the good stuff happens later you know the right racing Do you know what this is? I earn this. Now, let, let me tell you what it is. Actually, I put it on after the race. They put it on me. Uh, the races in the Olympics, uh, three, the top three people get an award, right? Gold, silver, bronze. And, uh, and, and these races that I mess around in, the top three age group, gender, and such, you know, like that. But this is my favorite kind of medal. Do you know what this kind of medal is? Some, some of you are actually play with me on these Saturdays. you know what this kind of medal is? It's a finisher's medal, <laughs> <laughs> honest to goodness. That means if you cross the finish line, whether you're first, tenth, you could be the very last. You crawl along the finisher, the finish line, you get a finisher's medal. Can I suggest this is a great image for the, the people of God, that there's a crown waiting for us in heaven, And it it doesn't matter if you're the first or the last. If, If you stay on the course, if you keep on the course, if you stay the boundaries, if you've been born again from above, if you run the race with perseverance, as the book of Hebrews says, this race that is marked up before us, then there's a crown waiting for us. It's already reserved. It's there, it's waiting. And so we are a chosen people. We are bumped out of the Garden of Eden. Jesus, who came to us, is the kingdom. Jesus is the kingdom. Jesus is the king, but he's the kingdom himself. And if you kind of get that, if you understand that Jesus himself is the kingdom, then the New Testament, all of the New Testament will begin to make lots more sense. Because if you want to keep with the image of the garden, wherever Jesus is present, the garden starts to bloom. So if people are hungry, people get fed because there's no hunger in the garden. If people are sick, people get healed because there's no sickness in the garden. If people don't understand, Jesus teaches because there's no ignorance in the garden. Jesus raises the dead because there's no death in the garden. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus is the kingdom and wherever Jesus is present, then strength is available. And so, now we're coming back to the uh, passage from Ephesus, from Ephesians. What St. Paul is doing is praying, that's how he starts, and so I get on my knees to pray to God, pray to the Father. St. Paul is praying that you, while you are on your journey, have strength. Now, I, I want you to imagine this. He's praying that the glory of God might be with you. I want you to imagine a bank in which you have a credit card and you can draw out from that bank as much as you want, and you never have to repay it because the debt's already been paid. That's a fun thought, isn't it? That's the thought that Paul is giving us here, except it's not money, it's strength, it's spirit, it's endurance, it's what we need. And so Paul, St. Paul prays for th- that we receive three things. And notice the direction of this. He prays that you receive strength from above, strength from above, that you have the indwelling Christ, the indwelling Christ, and that you are rooted and grounded in love. And by the way, that's an acronym. Strength, indwelling, rooted and grounded, SIR. And that's not a bad acronym, by the way, because I'm getting distracted, but who cares. Um, In the New Testament, the word for Lord, kuri or kurie, Uh, Can mean sir, like when you're talking to a policeman and you say, Yes, sir. Or it can mean sir, like Lord. (laughs) It's the same word, only in the English we capitalize it, but there's no caps in Greek. And so, sir, I want you to think of what St. Paul's prayer is that you receive strength from above on this journey, so we can have strength for the journey. You receive strength from above because we need that strength. It's a long, hard journey. And there are things and circumstances and even people that want to bump us down. And so we need endurance. We need patience. We need strength. Have you been watching the Olympics? (laughs) Oh, it's so distracting. Um, So I'm running a half marathon. I'm boasting a lot today. And uh, on these races, uh, they have what they call water stops. And so every two miles, they have a water stop. You know what I do when I'm, listen, running a race? I get to a water stop, and I I stop running. I mean, quite literally, I stop. Now, the leaders don't do that. They're like chugging water. But you know, I'm slobbing around. And, and the reason why I stop is because I want to make sure I get it all in. And can I suggest that on this race of life, we need to stop? That's what Sabbath is. Stop and refocus because the things of life are very distracting and it'll wear you out. So we stop and refocus so that we can receive the strength from the Father so that we can continue on this journey because it's a really hard journey sometimes. So the first thing that St. Paul prays for is that you have strength from above. The second thing that St. Paul prays is that we have the indwelling Christ, the indwelling Christ. One of my favorite New Testament sayings is from John the Baptist. When John, the, it's in fact in the front of my office. Uh, Linda stenciled it on there. Um, and when John the Baptist saw Jesus, John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. It's almost a motto for my life. He must increase, I must decrease. Because the reality is that all of us carry a lot around a lot of junk. By the way, that's kind of almost a psychologically acceptable word now that we have a lot of junk, guilt, shame, sin. And it's hard to travel when you got a lot of junk. So how do you push out the junk? The indwelling Christ. He increases, we decrease. Strength from above, the indwelling Christ, rooted and grounded in love. And when we are rooted in love, That does not make us less mobile. It makes us more confident. You watching the Olympics? (laughs) I mentioned I ran a race. So let me boast once again. It's 13 miles. First uh, six miles, to be honest, I did the homework. It was kind of easy. I'm with a friend. I'm chatting first four miles. And then uh, we split up. and. We're all doing our own thing. And, and um, I, I get to mile 10, and then it gets really hard. <laughs> Go figure, huh? And, uh, and I do what the Olympians will do. And that is, and you'll hear them talking about this, guaranteed. When you're running out, you got nothing left, you dig deeper. Right? You dig deeper. And when you dig deeper, what do you find? You have strength that is not your own strength that is deeper rooted in a strength that's not yours and you can continue the journey because you're rooted and grounded in love strength from above the indwelling christ rooted and grounded in love and when that happens when you're on the journey then saint paul says then we begin to comprehend the incomprehensible we begin to know the unknowable we are listen to the language that paul uses We are filled with the fullness of God on this journey home. God delights in giving us this strength so we can finish the journey, which is very, very difficult at times. Can I tell one more story? And then I'm done. So this race I'm in, it's it's called an out and back. So you run around. And and my wife reminds me all the time. So you're paying money so you can run out, turn around, and come back. So I do that. So the delightful thing about an out-and-back is when you're going out, you see all the good runners coming back, and we're like, "Ah," and they're like, you know. And it's just delightful to see people who are so pretty. And, and uh, And then you see the people who are in the very back. And the one that was in the very back of this race was a guy who had to be 60 pounds over. And I'm being kind. This is a big, big boy. And he was struggling. So we all get back, and you do what you do at the end of the race, drink Gatorade, eat bagels, and everybody's chatting and say, yeah, what about that hill? And blah, blah, blah. And frankly, we forgot about the big guy. And then about an hour later, we're all packing up and thinking about going. And the big guy's coming in. And somebody says, hey, you know, look who's coming. So we all gather around the finish line. And and the big guy, is he's beet red. He's crying, literally. He's crying because it hurts and because he did it. And he gets to the finish line. And what does he get? The same thing I got, a finisher's medal, and more high fives than I've ever had. And all the pretty girls are hugging him. And I want to suggest that's an image of church. That he did the race. And the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And the effort that that guy put into it was way more than I put into it or anybody else. And he said, a year and a half ago, I couldn't even walk two miles. Now he's got a finisher's medal. The race is hard sometimes, it's tough. But God will give us the strength. Our Lord, our Sir. He'll give us the strength, the indwelling Christ, rooted and grounded, so that when we cross that finish line, first or last, the crown is waiting. And God will give us what we need for us to find our way home. Let's pray. Lord, we give thee thanks. For in this journey which gets so tough, you give us the strength to run with perseverance whether we're fast or whether we're slow. Run with perseverance this race that is marked off before us. We give you thanks that you give us in abundance all that we might ever need, all in Christ's name. Amen.